I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, they trademark their spells, and if some of their magic like just drifts on the wind into like a preserver's crop, then they get to sue that preserver, right? Yeah, and that's exactly. the main conflict of this world. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Sun-kissed for this week's episode, bringing you the internet's best fake history. I'm your host, Ethan Palmer, and today, Peter O'Donoghue will be dragging himself through the sandblasted wastes of this world with me. Say hi, Peter. Uh, hey, Ethan. It's uh, Peter O'Donoghue here. My skin hurts already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're pasty, normally, and uh, this uh, this atmosphere doesn't seem to be doing favors for you. Now, the, the more astute of our listeners, the people who've been following uh, the show for a long, long time, you know, since day one, might notice that something, something in this intro is missing. Something in this intro is a little off, and that is, of course, James Miller, uh, beloved co-host, uh, dear friend, uh, dog father, uh, did unfortunately get involved in a tragic autoerotic asphyxiation accident, and uh, he won't be able to join us for this week's episode, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, COVID restrictions recently limit the amount of people you can have in your household, so it is, it's vastly more dangerous to choke yourself while masturbating these yeah. days, which, frankly, I think is the worst thing about the pandemic, <laughs> if you ask, if uh, you ask me. I mean, I, I disagree with the government's guidelines on... on uh, uh, erotic asphyxiation spotters <laughs> because uh, I I want a minimum of six foot distance between me and my spotter anyway. I want it to feel like I'm alone and I'm in danger, right? So if they're within six feet, which, you know, is the only, the maximum distance that the virus can travel, then uh, I'm not having a good time anyway. So it's ridiculous. Uh, so uh, <laughs> most of you would have guessed from the title and uh, maybe even the title card, if you're on the website, loreboys.com, that we're going to be talking about Dark Sun lore today. Uh, this was a request from our dear old friend, Saucy Chimera. Uh, hi, Saucy. Uh, Saucy, spicy, uh, goes uh, a person of many titles, I think is fair to say. Yeah, but always at least like pretty good food. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'd be okay with like, some spicy Chimera, a Saucy Chimera. I don't know if you'd put that in like a glass dish, toss it in the oven, and then like let oh, that yeah. kind of boil up a bit. Yeah. Nightmare to wash afterwards, obviously, with, with the crust on the side. But you know. Yeah, well, that's it. I'd, I'd just do it in my uh, cast iron, probably. But, uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, th- yeah, this was a viewer request. If you'd like to request an episode, uh, hit us up on Discord uh, by heading to loreboys.com slash about. You can find the Discord invite link there. Uh, someday, we'll have enough people boosting our Discord channel to get, like, a fancy discord.com slash loreboys, but... That day is not this day. Uh, That's not really up to us. That's up to the fans. I think you guys should probably just uh, work a little harder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you layabouts. Uh, All all jokes aside, uh, we spend a lot of time there. It's it's these days the best way to get in touch with us for sure. But we also do check our email uh, at um, contact at loreboys.com or loreboyspodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, they both go to the same same inbox. Uh, so you can hit us up there as well if you want to request an episode. Uh, speaking of, I guess, the emails, um, we did a mailbag, what, a month ago now? About? Uh, probably about that. Yeah, something like that. Month, month and a half. Who knows? Uh, that was a ton of fun. Uh, a lot of people showed up uh, on twitch.tv slash the loreboys, and it was good, good fun. Uh, and we have the audio file. We haven't taken the time to to scrub through it because it's like three and a half hours long, I think. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it was us very drunk. So uh, it's going to take some more careful uh, editing than, than most. So that'll be out uh, eventually in, in the coming weeks, probably. Uh, but we're planning on doing another one eventually just because it was such a such a blast. Uh, once it was over, we, we hopped on Discord again and uh, we all just played like a bunch of Jackbox games and everything. Uh, so it was a ton of fun. So do uh, keep in mind that you can keep sending stuff to our email and we will eventually read it on air. When it when it hits the air is kind of a subject of some debate uh, amongst the Lore Boys scholars, the Lore Boys scribes, but uh, <laughs> it will. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of like, uh, we're, we're kind of political in that way. And we make a bunch of promises that, uh, <laughs> ah, we'll, we'll, that maybe we'll get to, you know, it, that's not the reason you put us here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, if you're fortunate, just a one last note regarding the mailbag, uh, there is merch available at tpublic.com slash the lore boys uh, that comes from two two wonderful men on our Discord, uh, Bison and Darnell. Um, so you can buy as well, or maybe even one day create your own Titty Make Me Immortal t-shirt. <laughs> the, the, the t-shirt that I'm pretty sure might get a sued by Sony one day, but uh, the PS2... The PS2 branded Titty Make Me Immortal t-shirt. <laughs> Get it before it's copyright stricken and our whole store goes down, folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we're talking about Dark Sun. Pete, why don't you lay the groundwork for what Dark Sun is? Uh, okay, wait. Yeah. Before, before we do that, could you keep it to a minimum of four to five sentences for me? Yeah, just a little, just Four to five sentences minimum. Nice little short paragraph on Dark Sun lore. Dark Sun is <laughs> a fantasy anime Ooh. based... On a desert planet that has constant eclipses and is full of alien wildlife. Okay, I, okay. I mean, you're, you're kind of close. Not an anime. Uh, okay. What am I... So I, I just finished our Elspeth block of Magic the Gathering episodes. Yes. Uh, and I told you before the show that I was looking into doing some more Warhammer 40k uh, episodes, but I decided to not go for it this week. Yeah. Uh, so what's the third thing that I talk about? D&D. D&D, yeah. So uh, right. Dark Sun okay. is a Dungeons and Dragons setting. Yeah. Um, the third thing you're talking about is choking yourself while masturbating. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're autoerotic asphyxiation lore today. Uh, <laughs> the it and all don't. started when Alec Baldwin got very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we've talked about Dungeons and Dragons before. Uh, today we're talking about a specific setting um, that was first published in 2nd edition Dungeons & Dragons and was published again in 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Um, and that's the world of Athos, um, which uh, ties to the... It, the setting is called Dark Dark Sun. The planet that it takes place on or the plane that it takes place on is called Athos. Okay. Um, you don't need to have listened to our other Dungeons & Dragons episodes to enjoy this one. But uh, I guess an honest question I'm throwing to you, Pete, because you didn't know what it was, but you do know a bit about Dungeons & Dragons, so do you want to remind me what you remember about uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, broad strokes? Yeah, so the D&D &D world takes place, it's not like on multiple planes, it's, they're not referred to as planes, I don't think, like they are in Magic, but there are multiple parallel dimensions that are separated by some kind of magical fluid that you can sail through with a spell jammer. I know that's like a wizard-powered travel ship. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I know there's there, there's a bunch of different worlds that like there was like a Magic the Gathering fusion called Ravnica. I want to say I can't remember what the main area is called, but it is a ranging from standard sword and board, sword and sorcery sort of fantasy settings with dragons and 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 different monsters like ogres and trolls and like really classic kind of storybook shit, all the way up to um the illithid which are essentially extra dimensional space aliens um and then like more steampunk shit and 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 that sort of thing it's it's an all-encompassing fantasy universe from what i understand is separated into multiple spheres of existence that you can get to if your wizard is strong enough basically yeah exactly um for uh the spelljammer setting specifically was the one that kind of introduced these different uh realms there are planes but not in the Magic the Gathering sense. Like there's in the specific world of uh, the Forgotten Realms, which is the the sword and board fantasy setting that you kind of refer to. That's where you have like Baldur's Gate, right? Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate, uh, Waterdeep, yeah. the you know the hero Dritz Duerden from the Ari Salvatore books. That all takes place in Forgotten Realms. The Underdark uh, as well, yeah, right? The, the Underdark is like right. a section, and yeah. like all those things that we just listed are are part of the material plane. And then you know around the material plane, there's like. Uh, the Shadowfell and the Feywild, uh, which are like linked to the material plane, but not a part of it. Um, if you, if all this stuff sounds cool to you, we, we have talked about it on past episodes. Uh, yeah. So you, if you, you want to go back to season one, um, we'll send you your your pickaxe and shovel so you can dig that shit up. It was the um, uh, it was the second <laughs> last episode of season one, I think. So one of the yeah. I think I had my I think I may have had this nicer mic by the time we did that one, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah. Uh, because I got it that's the summer after we started, and we started in May. May. June, June, we're going to be, we're gonna be releasing... four in like a month and a half. Holy Moses, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, for the people who really don't know what we're talking about, Dungeons & Dragons is a, a tabletop role-playing game, and what that is essentially is it's collaborative storytelling. So you and a couple friends get together, and you try and tell a story, and then you roll dice to have, to have different outcomes in that story. Uh, and if the dice go your way, then, you know, a good thing happens. If they don't go your way, a bad thing happens. But there's basically uh, published settings where you can say, oh, I want to be in, you know, the magic sword and board uh, setting. And, and that's where I'm going to do my adventure kind of thing. Or you could say, I want to be in the dark sun setting, uh, which is, you know, we'll get into what it is exactly. But uh, a little grittier than uh, traditional Dungeons and Dragons, let's say. Uh Good, yeah. A little more Aragorn, a little less Legolas. Exactly, exactly. Nice. No, uh, there, there's no uh, skateboarding on a shield down a flight of stairs while shooting a bow and arrow in the Dark Sun <laughs> setting. That's, that's strictly the traditional Faerun uh, Dungeons and Dragons setting. The Tolkien estate forced Peter Jackson to keep that scene in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they issued a cease and desist when he mentioned that uh, he, he wasn't going to do it. Yeah, we're going to cut that. He was like, no, 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 no. Surfing down the stairs is really fucking important in the Silmarillion, so we're going to have to leave <laughs> Yeah, <that>. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Melkor, the, the, dissident, the, dis- the first dissonant sound in the universe was essentially um, uh, the sound of a shield scraping down a flight of stairs right so absolutely yeah it's (laughs) it's really hard to jam with (laughs) uh i guess if nobody knows what the fuck we're talking about here they go listen to our uh, tolkien episodes which we've done a few yeah we have like three i think uh yeah so um i'm gonna start us off with a quote um there's been a lot of books published in the dark sun setting uh i didn't i didn't take any of them down for sources because i haven't read any of them so i'm I'm getting this stuff from from the internet says that we get a lot of our stuff but uh I know that this was once a green world, a world of seas and forests. 
I know that this cruel and tormented world in which we live was shaped by our own hands. Sorcery, dark and evil, made our Athos what it is today. That's a quote from Garrick's Sandstrider, extracted from Garrick's journal. So is this like a uh, global warming planet, but instead of coal, it's magic that blocked out the sun by like destroying the atmosphere? Yeah, you're not far off at all. Uh, okay, cool. I, I guess, cool. I mean, we've already established in the Spelljabber episode that you can jam a magician into a furnace and it'll produce magic energy. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe they just did that with too many uh, magician-powered furnaces on this world. Uh, we'll, we'll get into exactly why. We're going to start with what the world is and, and how it is, and then eventually we'll get into the why it is. So Okay, I see. I uh, see. You're not far off. It's a post-apocalyptic world. Specifically, it's a post-apocalyptic elliptic desert world. So one, okay. one need only see the ruins of the ancients that litter its shores to realize that Athos was not always the arid waste it is today. Athos is a world without seasons. Okay. It was once a blue planet, as referenced in that quote, uh, teeming with life. Athos has since been stripped of its fertility by the use of corrupting magic known as defiling magic and the decay of its sun. Uh, it is a sunburnt land forsaken by the gods, water, and hope. Uh, now, the decay of its sun, we'll, we'll also get into what's causing the sun to decay and, and, and how that works. But okay, when I was yeah. researching this, I kept trying to figure out, and you kind of you kind of referenced it when you were giving your, your blind guess at what Dark Sun was, where you said it's a world that's constant, constant eclipses or whatever. Uh, so I, I spent a long time trying to figure out if the Dark Sun world had a Dark Sun. <laughs> but, okay <laughs> but uh, it doesn't it has a red sun uh i don't know why i don't know where i mean dark sun because evil is is my best guess but i it was it was surprisingly difficult to find any kind of description of the sun in the dark sun world uh until it, i kind of got like to far the- away where the light just doesn't read it and like um red light uh, so this is uh red light fast big- a big dumb nerd thing that I just happen to know. Uh, the wavelength of red light uh, does not travel as far as the wavelength of blue light. No. So that's why uh, deep sea animals tend to be dark brown or bright red is because the red light is absorbed before it could reach them, making them completely invisible in the darkness. Yeah. Um, so maybe they based it on that. But that's... No, like, no. I mean, I don't know. No, like, we'll, we'll we'll get it. Like I said, we'll get into why. That's a, uh, okay. A, an honorable guess, but Magic Fantasy World did not use the properties of the shorter wavelength of red light to describe why their sun appears red. Uh, instead, I, mean, I would. Instead, spoilers. It's magic. Ah, uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> Should have known better. So the natural resources of Athos have been depleted, and a lack of metal has resulted in the use of wood, obsidian, and bone for weapons, tools, and common equipment. So uh, a lot of like bone armor and bone swords, things like that, because metal rock and shit. Yeah. Metal is exceedingly rare. Obsidian is uh, more common. I didn't I didn't uh, I don't think I actually mentioned in this episode when I was researching, there was somebody that cast a spell and basically opened a portal to somewhere and just like a sea of molten obsidian like poured out of it. So there's a section of the world that's just like covered in this like lake of hardened obsidian. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Very cool. Um, in this harsh and forgiving, unforgiving land, excuse me, even the most mundane creatures have developed psionic abilities in the constant struggle of survival of the fittest. So, uh, Peter, you meant you referenced the Mind Flayers. Uh, those those of you who remember the Mind Flayer episode that we did, Kentucky Flayed Chicken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll remember that psionics is the type of 
um, quote unquote magic that the mind flayers use because it's not really magic. It's more like um, more like a magic super, like a superpower, a uh, psychic superpower than it is magic in the traditional sense in the D and D settings, where okay. just just game talk, just talking game shop, you know. Um, there's a lot of like has has um, advantage on saving throws against magic effects, which like so- that wouldn't apply for psionic abilities because psionic abilities are just like innate natural abilities that they have where they can manipulate psychic forces essentially okay so like psionics are an evolved power opposed to magic which was learned by wizards and sorcerers and whatnot right exactly exactly well yeah so magic itself in the D settings and uh you can listen to our karthus's folly episode to, to learn about this but uh there's a what's called the weave of magic which is like an invisible you know net that kind of connects all things in the universe and what wizards basically do is uh wizards will study how the weave works and figure out how to like, like drop a stitch or place a stitch in a different way to produce a certain effect. Um, okay. Whereas psionics don't, don't have anything to do with the weave. Uh, there was a time, uh, which I, I think we've talked about this one. I, uh, the spell plague, uh, I, if we talked about it, we talked about it very briefly. I haven't done an episode on it where those two words sound familiar in <laughs> conjunction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I, that helps. Spell plague might also be a, uh, a, um, a dragon age thing. I'm not sure, but, uh, <laughs> This, the spell That's plague. The blight. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, this, the spell plague was essentially a period of time where the god uh, of magic like put up her put up her boots for a while. Mistra kind of tur- uh, hung up her hat, um, and like nobody could cast spells anymore. And the gods were kind of like cast down to the earth and and everything. Um, anyway, all all tangential. Just to say, like a lot of creatures on Athis have developed psionic abilities, and we'll we'll okay. get into the specific why of that. Uh, right, and everybody's spoons are now unusable because they bend before they hit the bowl. Yeah, exactly. Of <laughs> <Psionic animal. laughs> yeah. Uh, also because it's very hot. Uh, so in a, oh. wor- in a world such as Athos, uh, a death by natural aging is considered to be a great achievement and an event worthy of celebration. So if somebody dies of old age, they, they throw a rager for them because it uh, doesn't happen very often. They, do they flip your birthday and funeral, basically, as far as like how <laughs> yeah. much fun people have? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so Athos is a hot, arid planet covered with endless seas of dunes, lifeless salt flats, stony wastes, rocky badlands, thorny scrublands, and worse. From the first moments of dawn, the crimson sun beats down from an olive-tinged sky. Temperatures routinely exceed 38 degrees Celsius, which is about 100 degrees Fahrenheit, by mid-morning, and can reach 130 degrees Fahrenheit, or 55 degrees Celsius, by late afternoon. So, uh, unlivable. Uh, some would say yep uh also dutch peter i i'm gonna assume you're listening this this counts as your holdover dune episode because this is basically the D dune setting uh oh, so, okay so, yeah uh, it does sound kind of like arrakis now that you mentioned it yeah exactly just this desert planet with like yeah. super hot temperatures and very rare water and uh, the wind on, on Athos is like the blast of a furnace, offering no relief from the oppressive heat. Dust and sand borne on the breeze coat everything with yellow-orange silt. Uh, so, Peter. Yes. If you were, say, to find yourself lost on the sandy dunes of Athos, uh, what would your first thought be? You're in the middle of nowhere, no, nothing in sight, haven't seen civilization in days. Well, what are you going to do? You're, you're out of water, you're out of food. What do you do? Um, well, just, uh, just a D and D a bit here. Uh, am I covered up? What am I carrying? What's my equipment like? The- <laughs> no equipment. Eh? No equipment. You are not even like the, 
the fucking Bedouin scarf with the you little are, black band holding it onto my forehead. You are lobster red, just a D&D a bit. You got plopped into this into this world from another dimension. You've never seen it before, Goddamn. completely unprepared. What do you do? Uh, I want to try and find some shade so I can think. <laughs> I, I That's that's it. Uh, I, I was thinking that you might try and pray. Uh, instead, instead, you were you were pretty resourceful trying to find shade. Oh, uh, there was uh, no shade. Oh, uh, yeah, never mind. So perhaps uh, this is a lot like Utah and not like <laughs> Arrakis, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, so with your with your you know kind of last actions, you search for shade for a while. You're not able to find it. You decide to turn to to that old crutch, the cross. Um, but that is a dumb move, Peter. That is foolish of you, because the gods of Athos are long gone. Either dead ah, or simply forgotten. Damn, I wish they would be more clear with their intentions so that I could, <laughs> you know, pray properly and shit. Yeah, so um, there, there were gods uh, of Athos at one point, but uh, when you're playing in this setting, typically your DM, like the standard, standard setting, um, I guess vanilla Dark Sun setting would be uh, there are no gods. Um, there's reference to these beings called the Primordials, uh, which overcame the gods at some point in the past, but I couldn't really find much reference to what the primordials actually were. If I had to guess, probably something to do with elements, right? Like just based on the Tra- name. Yeah, traditionally they're like forces of nature. They're they're variations on like the Greek titans, basically. So they're all based on a certain element. So I guess the you know the what are, wind and ghosts primordials overtook the gods of shade and water and reasonable temperature. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, ah, Comfortabilia, the goddess of twenty-one degrees yeah, in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, wine spritzer, uh, wine spritzeress. Mm. <laughs> She's my favorite goddess. Delivers me tasty, refreshing drinks on the beach. <laughs> uh, the the goddess of hula skirts and enlays. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, or God, maybe Kamehameha. I don't know. Uh, so, so in terms of, of, of game talk, to, to touch back on it again, uh, it basically means there's no clerics and no paladins, which are two classes in D&D, uh, which you traditionally can't play in the Dark Sun setting. Um, oh, no gods, they have no power. Yeah, they derive their power directly from their deity, and without deities, you know, you can't do that. That said, if I ever ran a Dark Sun setting and you wanted to play a fucking cleric, I'd figure out a way to let you play a fucking cleric. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, your god is just the the heat itself, you know, the heat, or the, the Dark Sun itself, like whatever. Or even like a cleric abandoned by god could be an interesting character. Yeah, so that's that's often a thing in 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 D anD D. So if you're playing a, a paladin in, in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and you're you're you know a paladin sworn to Bahamut, who is the uh, lawful good uh, platinum dragon deity in Dungeons and Dragons, like ultimate ultimate good. Uh, and let's say you you go out of your way to kill an innocent person. How the how the mechanics should work is your god should abandon you when you do that. Like if you do a, an inherently evil action as a good paladin or a good cleric. Uh, your gods are supposed to abandon you in that in that moment and right. basically say like, well, you know, maybe you're not the paladin for me. Um, and then it's always like you can kind of god shop a bit and be like, oh, well, who do I want to swear myself to then? You know, what what god will let me get away with murder? I wrote my resume in uh, the blood of innocent people. I yeah. want to see <laughs> whose HR department's going to get back to me at this point. Yeah. Uh, hey, it worked for me. So yeah, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> So Athos, a world without deities, uh, you can find uh, old shrines and crumbling temples lying amid the ancient ruins, testimony to a time when the gods spoke to the people of Athos, but they are no more. All the phone cords on the 
on the altars are all like disconnected. <laughs> disconnected. So it's just rec- receivers hanging impotently on yeah, stone yeah. altars at this it, point. It's just a, a telephone booth, but some some absolute maniac has like ripped the fo- the receiver off the wire. Yeah. <laughs> just have this end of wire. <laughs> some guy who was just really mad at the phone company decided to take it out on a Bell telephone booth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's just. Uh, I guess I should also say that. Um, this is this world was definitely also inspired by Mad Max. Maybe more more by Mad Max now that I think about it. It didn't. Occur- oh, get your edge on, Bray. That's yeah, it. <laughs> it. It didn't. It didn't occur to me so much when I was first starting researching it because I've read Dune, but I haven't seen any of the Mad Max films. Um, okay. So I, I, it didn't occur to me. But now that I'm thinking about it, because they're all very like like black leather and like you know those gothic tattoos are like eyeliner styles and all this and very. Ah, uh, uh, okay, yeah. Very. Um, yeah. I guess yeah, Mad Max. So um, it was probably one of those guys, you know, who who ripped the telephone off the telephone booth. <laughs> they don't seem so stable. Uh, so in the absence People of... People who use phone booths are never stable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, in this day and age, anyway. Yeah. The year, like, 15,000 Dark Sun or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> so uh, in the absence of divine influence, other powers have come to prominence in the world. We mentioned psionics. They're well-known, widely practiced on Arthas. Athos, excuse me. Even uh, unintelligent desert monsters can have deadly psionic abilities, like I mentioned before. Uh, There's shamans and druids. They call upon the primal powers of the world. So presumably they're like clerics, but their gods are primordials, I guess. I don't know. Um, It's like a nature cleric instead of a divine cleric, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, So shamans and druids uh, call upon primal powers, which are often sculpted by the influence of elemental power. So power of fire power of water power of air etc power of stone yeah colors of the wind kind of guys exactly um the brutal climate and the oppressive rule of the sorcerer kings have created a corrupt bloodthirsty and desperate culture that leaves little room for chivalric values uh virtues common to fantasy settings like uh your sword and board sword coast like i said this is why probably a bigger reason why paladins should be excluded from your dark sun game because like moral codes don't have such an easy fit in a morally gray setting, right? Um, yeah, it's just it, it's probably less fun for the player if they're like, I've I drew myself into a box to always be a good character when the DM is specifically trying to create morally gray situations for you to work your way out of, you know, uh, where yeah. like both both answers might be evil, uh, or you know, and then it's like, well, what does your lawful good paladin do? Like, oh, I I storm out, and it's that's that's never a fun environment to be kind of playing these games in where one person's dichotomy is kind of opposed to the rest of the parties right yeah well everybody always takes these it's like i storm out it's like okay well uh, the yurt flap locked behind you so you yeah. can't get out of the tent you you must eat the baby yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's eat the baby or sign up for this timeshare man it's your call oh no <laughs> <laughs> um so slavery is commonplace in, in Athos. Gladiatorial duels provide entertainment for the elite, and death permeates the culture uh, pretty much all of the nations of the world. The death is pretty commonplace. Okay, yeah. Like I said, old age is like an accomplishment. It's like achievement unlocked. You, you, you got to 60, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> achievement unlocked, five years left to retirement. <laughs> um, what do you like, retire on your dune farm? <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh yeah, you're you you're I'm going I'm gonna raise uh, sandworms in my free time. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the salt crystals have grown very high this year. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned um, sorcerer kings. Uh, 
these are dark wizards known as defilers uh, of immense power specifically. These are very powerful defilers rule uh, city-states throughout the land. So there's no like countries. It's more feudal city-states uh, kind of settings. It sounds kind of like Mad Max by way of like like Assyria like like with like <laughs> ancient kind of like ancient like desert civilization god kings more than anything which is kind of cool yeah i mean I, it is it is very similar to that they're they're they are god they're more traditional god kings in the sense or i guess maybe less traditional god kings in the sense that they they actually do have power to immense magic that well uh, yes <laughs> most most people don't have power to and we'll, we'll get into uh, we're going to talk about why other people don't have i was power. not asserting the existence of uh actual sorcerers hey, I, I in mesopotamia I, man you think shanghai of assyria actually had godlike powers that's that's fine peter think what you want about, hey, I'm, about I, I'm just saying that guy with the wild ass hair really convinced me that i think the anunnaki have like <laughs> really done some good work <laughs> yeah. um so these mighty spellcasters, defilers, have held their thrones for centuries. No one alive remembers a time before the sorcerer kings. Some claim to be gods. Some claim to serve gods. Some are brutal oppressors, where others are more subtle in their tyranny, but tyrannical nonetheless. So there's some okay. that are, are, you know, like outright, hey, disobey us. I'm going to put your head on a pike, mount, mount it on my wall, you know? Don't don't fuck with me. And there's there's others who are like, hey, hey, don't don't worry about it. Okay, I understand. I you lost your land to that mega corporation. They put a wall. They tore down your house and put up a Walmart. Well, I, you know what? I'm gonna fix this for you. Okay, I have a timeshare that I want to I want to <laughs> get you in on here. Okay, no, not 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 your not your thing. Okay, well, I got this baby. Are you, you hungry? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, these, the sorcerer kings they govern through priesthoods uh, sometimes if they they claim to be gods, uh, or sometimes just bureaucracies of greedy, ambitious templars. I know which one I would pick. Definitely the priesthoods. Don't give me the bureaucracies because at least priesthoods will get stuff done. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, the, the more people like the more departments that like kind of make things more granular, the less shit gets done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, usually their Templars and their priests, uh, are able to call upon the King's powers. Like, so they become more powerful. Their magic becomes stronger through, um, kind of funneling some of their King's power through them, essentially. Okay. He pays them in magic and they have like a higher magic salary to become like less powerful, but still powerful sorcerers of some kind. Yeah. I mean, um, he, he pays them in what you pay any, any cop or or soldier you you pay them in you know an, a bloated oh. sense of importance and and yeah. of uh, an, un, an unholstered gun essentially right imagined power is yeah, is, is, yeah every two weeks you make forty one thousand imagined powers a year man. <laughs> yeah so um only in the city state of tear does a glimmer of freedom beckon and powerful forces already conspire to extinguish it the reason i mentioned tear is because uh, it's where most of the books take place it's it's uh what I have dubbed protagonist land, you know, okay. uh, it's a, uh, where, where you go on the, the journey to rescue the princess. Uh, it all starts in tier. All starts in and probably comes back to tier having not read any of the books. Okay. Uh, rain falls only once per decade, give or take in some areas. Uh, so as such, water is more precious than gold. Uh, that's, this is what gave me the dune vibes more than anything. Uh, gold's also a metal, which is probably very rare on uh, this planet. Yeah, exactly. So gold would be even more precious on uh, Athos than it is on 
Yarth. But yeah, uh, water. gold is more precious than gold as we know it. It's like yeah, yeah. it's not better. It's the same technically, yeah, yeah. but there's less of it. Yeah, water better than gold, better than gold is essentially the yes. The <laughs> Uh, due to the scarcity of natural resources, few wizards have access to books made of proper pages and hard covers. Instead, they record their spells with string patterns and complex knots. Um, so fiber is more common than wood to make paper. Uh, so okay. they'll they'll we they'll uh, get ropes, and like I said, magic kind of works like a weave of magic. Um, so they just kind of knot it in certain ways, and that's how they remember their spells. This is based off an existing culture, which I'm going to Jamie pull up the clip for myself because sure. I have heard about this before. The it, it like I, it's like a a it predates writing in some way, which was like a actual like not through reed fiber string way of record keeping. I believe it's called uh, well when used in the magic sense. I believe it's called naughty mancy. Uh, it's very it's n a g h n a u g h t y Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how you spell naughty, Peter. So I mean, that would make the most sense, right? Uh, oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's not the one with the K. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was pretty cool um, that they that they because wizards in D and D settings, like you said before, um, learn their magic. So in traditional D and D settings, uh, there's wizards and sorcerers. Sorcerers are kind of born to it. It's uh, my grandpappy fucked a dragon, and now I have magic powers. Uh, whereas wizards are like, Hey, I went to school for four years, uh, and then decided to do my graduate in wizardry and I memorized how to cast spells essentially. Okay. Uh, so I did find it. Uh, Jamie managed to pull up the clip in spirit, Mm -hmm. RIP. Uh, it is the Inca, the Inca of South America. So the Incan Kipu is a uh, record keeping system that uses string. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. Uh, real life lore for you. Inca lore. That's, that's what this one is. Uh, and and Incalore sounds like uh, one of the made up uh, animals of of Athos. It really does. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a creature out of Star Wars. I swear to God. Uh, so the desert the desert planet obviously has its own deadly ecology, its own flora and fauna. Um, many creatures that are familiar sites on milder worlds have long since died out or never existed at all. Um, there's no cattle, no swine, no horses on on Athos. Instead, you can't just be a vegetarian or something like that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I posted all these these spoiled clips for you. Um, Thank you. You can't be a vegetarian unless you're you're willing to eat knotted rope for every meal. I guess because uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got that they got that in spades apparently. Um, so people tend to flocks of airdlus ride on kanks or crowdless and draw wagons with inixes and mechalots. So these are just a couple examples of, of kinds of creatures that you can find here. And I thought they, they some of them sounded pretty cool. So uh, edlus are, are large flightless, uh, flightless featherless birds covered with flaky scales that range in color from pale gray to deep red. An airdlu yep, can weigh... Meaning turkey with a horn? Yeah, pretty much. Can weigh uh, up to 200 pounds, which is not that much, but grow to a height of seven feet. So basically, okay. basically an ostrich. Um its massive round body has a pair of useless wings that fold in at its sides. A snake-like neck rises to a small round head with huge wedge-shaped beak. A powerful, uh, a pair of powerful lanky legs extend down from the body and end in four-toed razor-clawed feet. Um, so those are, um, that's kind of a meat bird, like you said, a, a large, large turkey. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does look, it also looks exactly like uh, a lot more like modern reconstructions of an oviraptor, which is like a real Mongolian dinosaur. Um <laughs> 
which has some very iconic fossils associated with it. I don't keep meaning to nerd out about real world shit, but it's the, you, you're setting me up to, with all this other cool shit I was already interested in. <laughs> my my secret, Pete, is that the real world real world lore is my favorite lore anyway. So uh, <laughs> the uh, the next two are are types of steeds. So kanks are docile insects that form hives. The kank soldier can be trained for riding in war, easily domesticated. They are valued for the nectar they produce, which can be fermented to make broy a cheap and nasty alcohol, it's described as. So, oh, good. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, a moonshine beetle. Yeah, the, the lore boys do love us in moonshine, so I think I think, the moon, <laughs> I think we'd be moonshine beetle herders in the future. Oh, yeah. In whatever, whatever world this is. Um, the other type of mount is a larger version of the uh of the erdlu known as a crowdlu a, a large flightless drake with weak clawed forearms uh so it's it's slightly less feathered than the uh erdlu um, yeah some are bred and trained to bear humanoids yet even those are aggressive and unpredictable they're a larger version of an erdlu um so yeah big big angry uh scale bird monster yeah, it just looks like a it, it just looks like a dinosaur. It's kind of the 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 um the spoiler you sent me is pretty basic. Yeah, exactly. Um, the dinosaur with a beak. Exactly. <clears throat> um, the Inix is a large lizard that falls between kanks and mechalots for sheer size. We'll we'll get to what a uh, a mechalot is. A kank is the uh, moonshine beetle. Okay, right. Uh, uh, it weighs about two tons, grows to lengths of sixteen feet. The Enix's back is protected by a thick shell while flexible scales cover its underside. These are sometimes used as like oxen or or things to to pull wagons or plow fields. If if they okay. plow, if they had fields to plow, then this is what they would plow them with essentially. Yeah, I, I there's not a whole lot of good like gardening rows in the infinite sand wastes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so it's a beast of burden, but it's a lizard in this case. They're 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 rarely used as beasts of burdens, but yeah, sometimes okay. sometimes used to to pull wagons, stuff like that. Like 16 feet long, so it's kind of like big ass wagons to do it, but again, kind of Mad Max vibes from the setting. So maybe they got some like you know, uh, semi trucks uh, that they they got running <laughs> behind these things. Essentially, so they have ten year old water in. Basically, yeah, yeah. you've got the, the the last rainfall vintage. Yeah. Uh, a typical mechalot stands between twenty eight and thirty feet long and weighs around twelve thousand pounds. Uh, this is very cute, yeah, by the way. Extremely cute. It's got like a nice soft face. Kind of reminds me of Appa from Avatar: The Last Airbender, which I don't know if you know, but just like a big yeah. It- looks like that but with a shell exactly yeah it's it's scaly and, and shelly it's like it's dwarfing palm trees in this picture it definitely yeah. looks bigger than 30 feet long and more than twelve thousand feet long or twelve thousand pounds in that picture but uh i'm not sure if it's to scale um mechalots are lizards with huge mound-shaped bodies covered with a thick shell everywhere except for on their sides and bellies um but, but yeah very docile looking these ones are absolutely just workhorses and these ones are, are used to pull like giant wagons and, and things like that across the desert so uh presumably if you're traveling across you know desert wastes in this horrific world you probably need a, a buttload of supplies to to kind of get anywhere because it's probably slow going if if this, this lazy bastard is pulling you so, <laughs> so yeah, god bless him okay let him take his time because he looks so cute doing it but uh i can't imagine he's getting you anywhere fast <laughs> yeah no uh wild creatures uh, as opposed to uh, uh reared creatures uh such as lions bears and wolves are non-existent here pretty much in their place are terrors such as the Idfiend, uh, which is the only one I actually give you a picture of, the Bosrag and the Tembo. Um, perhaps the uh, Idfiend just looks like a pissed-off drooling iguana. 
Yeah, it's like a giant chameleon or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, perhaps the harsh environment of Athos breeds creatures tough and vicious enough to survive it, or maybe the touch of ancient sorcery poisoned the wellspring of life and inflicted monster after monster on the dying world. Either way, okay. the deserts are perilous, and only a fool or a lunatic travels them alone. So the id feed is the only monster that I, I wanted to talk about because I didn't want to spend too much time just talking about uh, different kind of burbs and stuff. But uh, it's like a, <laughs> it's kind of like a gila monster or just like a large lizard, I guess, uh, as Peter yeah. kind of said, a giant iguana. Uh, it has large, thick, stocky body supported by four muscular legs. All of the id fiend's legs end in four clawed digits, three pointing forward and one backward, which I thought was just a fun okay. detail. Uh, it usually ranges about 8 to 12 feet long and wields psionic abilities which draw images of its victims' fears from their minds. Um, so you start, to, when, when these bad boys are in the area, you start getting ba- uh, bad dreams, essentially. I can't believe this thing knew that I had a terrifying fear of giant lizards. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a fear of uh, backwards hands, and it's got one of them. <laughs> um, so now that we have a, uh, an idea of the type of denizens you might encounter while out in the waste, uh, we know that God won't be any help. Uh, how the heck can you defend yourself out there, huh? How are you supposed to stay alive? Uh, maybe with some of that sorcery. Um, you nailed it. I don't it. know. Some kind, okay. If, if religion won't help, maybe magic will. Uh, that's, yeah. That's why, that's why I was a, a magician in seventh grade. Because, a legally, uh, distinct, <laughs> legally distinct religion. <laughs> magic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I remember when I first found uh, David Copperfield. <laughs> uh, there's two types of magic in Dark Sun. Uh, preserving magic and defiling magic, which we mentioned the defilers. They use defiling magic. Uh, gold yeah, it's the hippie V capitalist, basically. But I, could, I can tell by the psychic lizards who won that fight. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, it's all pretty morally gray. So it's uh, we'll get into it, but it's really hard to use magic in a positive way. Uh, oh, okay. On Athos, uh, magic and the land beneath your feet are inexorably intertwined. Arcane magic draws its power from the life force of plants or living creatures with the potential to cause tremendous harm to the environment. As a result, wizards and other arcane casters are despised and must practice in secret. Um, pretty much nobody trusts wizards because they draw from life force. They draw from plants. You know, somebody is like, finally got my petunias to grow in this horrible wasteland. And a fucking wizard comes by and he sucks the life out of your petunias to uh, create himself some good berries and goes on with his day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So psionics, which you kind of mentioned before, are are like superpowers uh, instead of magic are much more prevalent. They occur naturally, right? Like psionics don't draw from the earth. Exactly. That this is like the big difference is they they don't they don't burn burn in their wake. They don't burn fuel. They just you can just kind of use them. Okay. Um, they're extremely common, psionics. Almost, pretty much every living thing has at least a modicum of psionic ability. Okay. Um, how much that is uh, varies pretty wildly. A wizard, on the other hand, is able, able to capture and master magical energies on Athos. Um, no one, not even a wizard, however, can affect one without affecting the other. So um, you, can capture, you can capture magic, but you can't uh, not leave leave the ground and leave the earth and leave the life therein uh, un- untouched by that. So it's like alchemy, kind of. There's like a balance to the the, the spell casting on this planet. Sure, it's like a Full Metal Alchemist, like uh, always an even exchange, essentially. Uh, okay. I don't know if you've seen Full Metal Alchemist, but it's it's you know you can't draw magic from nothing. Whenever they use their magic, they draw their power from something, essentially. I've seen like clips of episodes. I've never actually seen uh, like a full actual. There show. you go. I, I watched Brotherhood. It was good. Uh, so all wizards, uh, when they when they finish their their post grad in in wizardry, 
they got to decide at the start of their careers whether they are trying to work with nature or without regard for it. In Dark Sun, if they decide to work with nature, it means the wizard is a preserver. If they decide to work without regard for nature, it means the wizard excuse me, is a defiler. Um, so, And are, do these two classes of wizard compete, or do you just like leave school with a major and a minor in one of the two and then end up just in two different career paths? No, so I mean, wizard like, defilers are inherently evil because they 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 have no no regard for the magic that they wield really a preserver is uh somebody who's who's taking from the land but the whole ideology behind being a preserver is they recognize that what that using magic is evil is inherently evil they they use it as sparingly as possible and they try and do it in ways that like hey you know if i cast a spell and kill these three blind mice I have in this shoebox with me, uh, then maybe I can stop this big bad wizard who's going to, you know, drive a species to extinction. So okay. it, it, they, they try and they try and they know, they understand preservers that um, it's not good to use magic and it's, it's destroying the world and it's, you know, sucking up all the, all the resources, all the water, all the, all the plants, all the everything. Uh, so they try and do it as sparingly as possible because they know how evil it is. Okay. So preservers gather energy from the land. They take only what they need and work to keep the world healthy and alive as, as with the magic that they do have to use. If they, okay, so it's magic in moderation. Exactly. If they take too much, they risk destroying the plants in a way that kills the plant completely. So if they have, you know, a, uh, a peace lily uh, that they carry with them at all times, they can draw some power from it without killing it. And it, it might be able to rally, right, and and, and still survive, uh, but not not completely die. So they, they okay. try and find that balance essentially. But in extreme circumstances, um, oh yeah. So if they draw they draw power from it, if they draw too much, they can kill it. In extreme circumstances, if they really need to pull power, uh, not only will they kill the plant, they will destroy the earth in such a way that no plant will ever grow again from that spot. So okay, they they completely salt the earth if they if they pull too much essence from it or, or whatever you want to call okay. it okay yeah like n- no biological material left whatsoever at that point like or, or magic and biology are clearly the same thing as far as like what what you can grow food in exactly. so they suck it all out and it is just unusable yeah. just it's wasteland yeah, yeah ma- magic is is run on nitrogen essentially and they just suck all the nitrogen out of the soil and you can't <laughs> <grow stuff. laughs> Uh, so defilers, on the other hand, leech energy from the land kind of willy-nilly. They steal life away with every spell they cast, and they leave only dead ash behind. So they do pretty much every time a defiler casts a spell because they don't care about it. They don't believe in global warming, even though they're living right. on a fucking desert planet. Uh, which, I mean, I feel like applies to some real-life people. Uh, they trademark <laughs> their spells, and if some of their magic like just drifts on the wind into like a preserver's crop, then they get to sue that preserver, right? Yeah, and that's exactly. the main conflict of this world. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they, they just are, are speeding up, uh, global warming at, at every instance. They, in 2021, they're, you know, living in the city and buying a, a three, three quarter ton Dodge Ram to drive around diesel powered to just, you know, uh, cause defilers need people to know that they have big penises and that's why you buy a Dodge Ram. So that's why I let it idle is cause like, honestly, it wastes more fuel when I start it. So I just like <laughs> let it run all night. Yeah. I <laughs> just never turn it off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Athos, as we now kind of realize, was not always so barren. Um, magic seems to be the driving force behind the climate change. Like we said, magic furnaces, magic coal plants, where they're stuffing magicians, they're <laughs> into furnaces. Yeah. Um, 
uh, have, have... <laughs> we tried to find an alternative like, other people just don't burn as good yeah 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 that's it yeah, yeah. Well, what do you mean what do you mean use the power of the sun uh... <laughs> <laughs> well we... it's not enough i don't want more sun uh, yeah. like what are you talking about we're we, yeah yeah that's it solar panels no 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 that's just gonna make it hotter bro okay yeah. trust me <laughs> Trust me, you want you want global warming, you install some solar panels, okay? Because the black will attract the sun. And we're just going to start storing it, and this is going to make everything hotter, idiot. <laughs> um, believe, in, believe in climate change, please, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can take away anything useful from this podcast. Yeah, frankly, I hope you don't. Uh, but uh, climate change at the very least. <laughs> climate change at the very least, and that the Incas used a system of tying knots to record knowledge. Uh, yeah, and you can decide which one of those two things is more important to you. <laughs> That's not up to me to decide. Uh, objectively, it's the knots. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a lot of the Dark Sun story uh, is told from a narrator known simply as the Wanderer, uh, who left behind something called simply the Wanderer's Journal, uh, and a lot of a lot of lore comes from from that journal, essentially. Nice. That's the name, and I believe the player character. The, because obviously, your your character name is not canon in Fallout One. I think canonically, the like generic term for the player character in Fallout One, which is heavily based on Mad Max, uh, is also the Wanderer or the uh, Lone Wanderer or something like I, that. I believe the Wanderer. Yeah, uh, I yeah. played it for like thirty minutes, um, and I liked it, and then never touched it again. <laughs> I, I, I liked it, got killed by a rad scorpion, and said, well, that was fun, and never reinstalled it. <laughs> uh, so the Wanderer's Journal begins in a, in a uh, bygone time uh, with the Edenic Blue Age, when Athos was once covered with a vast body of life-giving water under a blue sun. Well. Halfling. Now. Go ahead. Sorry, not to get all nature on you again, but um, depending on the water, it, the water as like seas rise and fall and continents move can also create deserts because the Sahara Desert, one of our modern IRL deserts, does have whale fossils in it because it did used to be underwater and yeah. is now a desert. I mean, a lot of the uh, a lot of the earth where I grew up, the Ottawa Valley used to be under a giant lake, but uh, yeah, that was a glacial morass lake, so not quite the same, but. Um, yeah. Again, I'm more of a glacial more tits guy, but whatever. Again, Pete, I love the I love the real lore. I love the real history. Uh, but you're you're uh, you're applying the wrong stencil to this story. Let me tell you, because I already told Sorry. you. I already I already put my right hand on the left side of my mouth and said it's magic. Uh, and you, you keep you keep being like, okay, okay, it's magic, but is it this real thing? And I have to tell you, no, it's not. It's close. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um. So halflings, uh, which are a race in Dungeons and Dragons, um, ruled Athos during this time. They built a, they built up a, a powerful civilization during the Blue Age when most of the world was covered under water, and the sun itself was blue. They were nature masters, life shapers. They were able able to produce anything they needed by manipulating the principles of nature itself. So they were very competent spellcasters who could, you know. Change the weave of magic to be like, hey, I got some food. Hey, I got uh, I got some some land to stand on. I got whatever I need. You know, this age would come to an end uh, as a result of an accident, a horrible, horrible accident. So the halflings of the great city of Tyr Agi, uh, Tyr spelt the same way as the modern city of Tyr. So I presume uh, it's descended from this ancient civilization. Uh, and which is for for me, someone who is illiterate. Uh, is it T Y R or T I R? T Y R. No. 
Okay. Uh, just in case you want to Google it. Uh, so the, this great city of Tiraghi, uh, ruled by halflings, uh, they tried to increase the sea's fecundity, even though they had access to magic, which apparently could give them anything they wanted. They're like, well, we want more fertile seas. Uh, <laughs> rather than just wishing for a fish, they wished for a sea that produced more fish. Uh, <laughs> so in order to produce more creatures and plants, they're like, hey, we want more biodiversity. You know what? Noble intentions. The experiment failed. Uh, and unfortunately, instead of choking the sea with wildlife, they choked the sea with a toxic brown tide that spread across the waters, killing everything it touched. Oh, <laughs> so I guess, I guess you could say they, they were just a little bit off, you know, <laughs> like they, yeah, that's, that's not even like a, haha, forgot to carry the one guys. That is a, uh, this had the complete opposite effect. This was so uh, roaring 80s uh, where they were just like railing cocaine and they had everything they ever wanted. They're like, hey, we're going to destroy the future for our children. <laughs> Let's elect Reagan. And uh, <laughs> just uh, balls to the wall. Uh, ruined, ruined. I think that the tear ocean could be more fertile. <laughs> yeah. And I think the best way to do it is with brown sludge. Yeah. The, the oil companies have assured me that they have our best interests in, in mind when they're dumping their toxic brown sludge into the water. Men who pay me money have promised me that fish breathe and have sex better in, <laughs> in pure crude oil. Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. President, Mr. President, um, I, I, the, the science doesn't seem to suggest that that's true. Why did you say that the dead fish were all caused by uh, young urban drug users? I'm I'm just saying that uh, crack cocaine is very addictive, and perhaps some of it got into the ocean, and it's unrelated. I keep the White House goldfish here, uh, Goldie, as I as I call her, in a in a bowl of brown sludge. Of course, you can't see through it, so. <laughs> She can't come say hello right now, but I can assure you she is alive and well, and I've been feeding her every day. Meaning, all the while, he's, of course, 91 years old and, and, and suffering from dementia, so he is facing the wrong direction. During the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so after, blue, after the Blue Age, of course, comes the... Brown Age? Green Age. Um, Dang. Don't know, don't know why it wasn't the Brown Age, but uh, we went from, from blue, to, blue to green. Uh, which on a color, color wheel, I think, makes sense. Uh, so the Wanderer's Journal claims that the Green Age began approximately 14,000 years before the setting's starting period. So when you typically okay. play, in the, play in the setting. Yeah. Of course, again, for anybody listening who doesn't really know much about D&D, you could always be like, I want to make a D&D campaign in the Blue Age with all these halflings and go on adventures in there. That's, of course, up to you. But there Legal, is, whatever, do whatever you want. You exactly. There's a canon setting that, that we're talking about. So quit derailing me, hy- hypothetical person who doesn't understand what Dungeons and Dragons is. <laughs> <laughs> but like and subscribe. Uh, so desperate to save themselves from and Athos from the brown tide, uh, the halflings built something called the Pristine Tower, uh, which was a powerful talisman that could harness the energies of the sun. The light of the pristine tower burned away the brown tide, but also would change the planet. So uh, they got a, they got like a magic telescope, which worked backwards, I guess, to suck the sun's power down. Uh, the, and they could use that much energy to kind of beat back this brown sludge, with the, which their wish magic didn't seem to be working on. Okay. So during this time, the sun changed from blue to yellow. The endless sea receded revealing a verdant world of plant life. So 
they managed to get rid of oh. the brown sl- the brown sludge, the brown tide. Uh, you know, Goldie the goldfish uh, was okay in the end. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing what the power of a wish will do. Uh, <laughs> I run my campaign entirely on the power of wishes. <laughs> hey, if I can work for him, huh? Uh, so <laughs> the endless sea receded. Uh, and this verdant world uh, of plant life seemed to be living under the ocean. So when they pushed back the brown, with it went the oceans, and they were like, oh, shit, there's uh, livable earth down here. And all the suffocating mermaids are excellent fertilizer. Yeah. Um, however, th- this would mean an end to the halfling civilization uh, oh. because other species start to crop up during this time. Um, and for whatever reason, I couldn't, in my in my quick cursory searches, I couldn't figure out why this happened. Uh, maybe nobody knows, but the uh, the halfling civilization comes to an end with it, and most of, most of them withdraw from the world and spiral into savagery. So, in Dark Sun or in Dungeons and Dragons, let's start with you know what an elf is. You you the listener, without ever having played D anD D before, know what an elf is. You know what a dwarf is. They talk with a Scottish accent. They have a big beard. They live underground. Ba ba ba. Uh, that's the Forgotten Realms settings. They use all those the high the highest tropes that you can imagine for all their all their races and everything. Mm-hmm. Dark Dark Sun tries to do a departure from that, where the elves in Dark Sun look like elves, but they're kind of like this nomadic uh, like herder people essentially, instead of like you know fair people who live in trees. Uh, and are they the are they the guys who ride the moonshine beetles? They, yeah, I mean they they often would. They're kind of like a nomadic. They're like nomadic tribes. They they're the ones who with the yurt where you'll you force somebody to eat a baby or sign a timeshare agreement. Oh, okay, the, right, yeah. The yeah, the yeah. yurt door locks behind you. That's that's those yeah. guys essentially. Um, <laughs> they're the Florida Bedouins that that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> exactly, uh, and the halflings are like crazed cannibals they're they're just like where in in D D, the halflings are hobbits so they love to drink they're like super jolly uh you know they're they're extremely lucky and, and all these other things they're very uh very happy go lucky in this one they're like the complete opposite they're depraved they're psychotic they're a cannibalistic race they you know love taking slaves all this all this other stuff and are this- they hard to deal with considering they're so tiny what do you mean well, I mean, it just seems strange that it's just like, wow, we have this like real cannibal hobbit problem when they're like a couple of feet tall. Like they're a very little people. Peter, you're making it uh, apparently clear that you've never tried to wrestle with a leprechaun, my friend, because they are I... uncannily strong. Okay, can't say I can't say I has unless uh, unless again, animal fact of the day, I keep these things coming. Unless hobbits are like ants and they can just lift a lot more than their their, their body weight. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to slowly slide my right hand up to my left cheek here, Pete, and I'm going it's to magic. Once, once more, whisper into the mic that it's magic. Uh, this is something that comes up in uh, generic D and D campaigns too is you can make a halfling barbarian with a 20 strength who's just strong okay. enough to lift a mountain above his head you know what i mean like okay yeah. um don't don't assume that that strong comes from the muscle fibers and the lactic acid buildup in your muscles uh, it, okay it comes from the the magic power of wishes okay it's, right. It, right, right it's enough to, for a halfling to lift a mountain it's enough for reagan to get elected so. <laughs> I, I don't know why we're harping on this Reagan thing so much. We're not a, we're not a political podcast, but no, or American, and none of us have ever been to the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair point. Um, so yeah, halflings are are kind of fucked up. They're uh, surprisingly bitey in this time. Uh, the sun has gone from blue to yellow, 
Um, and the former halfling center of Tiragi was renamed Tyr. Uh, and the other great cities of the Tyr region, such as Ib, Bodak, Gustanal, were built during this period. That's just a shout out for the people who've actually read the books. Okay. Uh, due to mutations caused by the power of the pristine tower, that talisman that they created in an effort to drive back the brown sludge, the new people of Athos discovered they were gifted with myriad psionic powers. So apparently the psionic powers come from this talisman that they created, which drew power from the sun in some way. Again, magic. Yeah, the sun the, the sun needed some kind of new vessel to uh, I could, transfer its power, I guess. I could see I could see your your hamster spinning there, Peter, as you were trying to like figure out the real world comparison to how, how the sun the sun creates radioactive psychic the energy. Sunflowers <laughs> rotate to face the sun and oh, I don't know how. <laughs> Uh, so soon a high standard of living was achieved for those dwelling in the cities supported by wonders created with psionics. This is a boom. This is a boom era. This is a, this is is a good time to be alive. Yeah. Psionic flappers, the whole deal. Yeah. After the green era would come. The red, the time of magic. Uh, well, fuck me, man. That doesn't, (laughs) uh, I love setting you up when you never have a chance. So that's, uh, (laughs) the only time I will ever set you up is if you don't have a chance of guessing it. Okay. I see. Thank you. (laughs) So among the, the new races, uh, that, that were kind of coming out, the elves, you know, humans, subhumans, things like that. Um, uh, there was a powerful race known as the Pyrenees. Uh, one of their number, Rajat would bring about sweeping changes to Athos. Rajat discovered eight thousand uh, discovered magic. Excuse me, eight thousand years before the current age. So, oh, the halflings had magic. They all descended. Ooh, excuse me, that water's coming up. Uh, the, ma- <laughs> the magic, uh, the magic, the halflings uh, had magic, but they all descended into madness. Went off into the hills to eat each other or some shit. And so the secret they they didn't, they weren't great teachers. You know what I mean. So, so yeah, this, I, it's like everybody, everybody from the university we try to embed with the halflings keeps getting devoured. So, <laughs> like, honestly, we, we just we'll just never know. I uh, I sent in my SAT scores to the wizard school, but they just asked me what my body fat ratio is. <laughs> <laughs> they asked they me all the did it right with string. That's incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this this guy Rajat, who is one of the Pyrenees, discovered magic in his own right uh, eight thousand years before the current age. Okay. So, so, seeking more power, Rajat learns of this artifact known as the Pristine Tower and takes possession of it through whatever whatever means he's got it. He gets his hands on it. Yeah. Uh, once he had the once he had the Pristine Tower, he mastered uh, the new force of magic and developed in it, it, it into the two distinct forms of magic. So, the Preserver and the Defiler magic. So, magic. Uh, okay. Magic at this point is working the way that it's that it works in modern day. This is the, the magic that Rajat has discovered and develops. But it's a very verdant time. Everything's green. Everything's lush. It's all it's rainforest as far as the eye can see. And you know what? It's the 1930s, and we're saying we could probably cut down rainforest forever and never run out. Uh, Duh. So uh, they, they trees grow back. Yeah. So I mean, if we cut all of them down, they'll just grow back, right? No problem. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he he teaches preserving magic to the public. He he uh you know community college preserving magic classes. No defiling magic classes. Okay. Secretly, he picks 15 human students with potential for both psionics and magic for some darker purposes, and he's going to teach them defiling magic. You never trust the valedictorians, boys. <laughs> don't, don't do it. 
Using the power of the pristine tower to harness the energy of the yellow sun, he transformed these 15 into his champions. Uh, besides their native psionic powers and defiling magic, they were imbued with immortality and the ability to draw magical energy from living creatures through the use of obsidian orbs. So um, magic, uh, I said it comes from living things. Typically, you can only draw magic from plants because the, I guess the life force isn't uh, potent enough. But if you have these obsidian orbs and you have the know-how and the ability granted to you by Rajat, you can suck the life force out of people to cast very powerful spells, essentially. Okay. The process of creating these champions, giving them immortality and the power to do this through obsidian orbs, would turn the sun from yellow to red. Okay. So the sun clearly is is like the mood ring of the planet. Like as things change, its energy output changes and then it changes color depending on like how it's feeling and the kind of state that the world is in. So you can tell that things are shitty when it turns you know, deep red and is starts to burn away the atmosphere. Yeah, Pete, can I just say I'm amazed. I am I am absolutely It's magic. I am a- no like- no no no. I am absolutely floored that you didn't say, hey, you know, really high energy suns are typically like white blue. They turn to yellow as they start to burn some of that off and then eventually they'll fade to just like red red giants where they're just like massive. The one time you have a fact for me. <laughs> I'm just I'm just amazed that you didn't make you didn't make that that comparison. I well, like the, now I'm, all of a sudden I'm fucking playing your game and I'm just like Ed, magic did it and it's yeah, just magic when, the, when the planet gets cranky the sun turns red. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it seems to be uh directly tied to kind of I don't know I, I don't know if it's tied to the mood of the planet as much as it's kind of they're drawing power from the sun to do these massive changes to the planet okay and so to me it did seem like hey it's like their effect they're they're changing the power of the sun somehow uh whether it's a mood ring and it's just pissed off that they keep taking more energy out of it or if it's just like running low on energy these days it's impossible to tell uh lore boys canon it's a mood ring okay they've i mean they've 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 tried to taste the power of the sun with their sunny d but now they've gone now they've gone too far yeah so Rajat is at a turning point here. You might ask yourself, Peter, well, why is this guy so interested in building secret champions and controlling all the magic of the world, huh? You know, that was going to be one of my questions, actually. So Rajat had the grandiose dream of returning the world to the glorious splendor of the Blue Age. Okay, admirable enough goal. He's like, you know what? I yeah. want oceans back, please. This is kind of the second road to hell is paved with blank of this (laughs) entire story. (laughs) However, he couldn't reconcile having all these pesky races around for his beautiful Blue Age. So about 3,500 years... There are a few things that I have heard that have made me more uncomfortable in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So about 3,500 years before the current age, when most of the stories take place, Rajat assigned each of his champions a race to exterminate. Oh my god. So, you know, there was a moment when I was researching this, I was like, oh, wait, is he like, you know, an admirable guy that's been misled into, you know, he, he keeps drawing power trying to fix it, but he's just breaking it worse. But no, he's, he's no. he is also just a really bad guy. Um, the ensuing years of struggle were known as the Cleansing Wars, which is, again, a very uncomfortable thing to call a, a series of wars. Yeah, it's a bad um, thing. I didn't, I didn't, uh, or... or yeah, so the unbridled use of defiling magic unleashed by Rajat and his champions during the wars desolated the land, turning much of it into a savage desert wasteland under a burning crimson sun. 
Okay. Uh, so the non-existence of many typical D&D races, such as trolls and goblins, they don't exist in the Dark Sun setting. They say it's usually explained as it's because of the cleansing wars. So there were goblins, there were trolls, but they were considered, uh, you know, their champion, the champion that led that extermination was successful. Uh, trolls are weak to fire, so they would do probably, they're probably ill-suited for a desert planet in the first place, true, though. True. Uh, I don't know how many bridges there would need to be for them to live under because there's no rivers. Right. Oh, this, the, oh! I the, the whole thing, the whole thing. Like any economic system, like any kind of political thing, it's all very complex. And it is the lack of rivers that led to a lack of bridges. Yeah, yeah. It's like when they when they uh, introduced deer into Yellowstone National Park, which changed the 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 shoreline of of a certain river because right, yeah, the wolves were hunting deer who were eating all the grass at the edge of the river, which was driving it wider and everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the dark sun setting. This is the the horrible world that you can sit around a table with your friends uh, and enjoy some Mountain Dew and hummus while uh, while playing some Dungeons and Dragons. Hope you liked it. Once again, shout out to Saucy for the recommendation. Thanks so much for it. Um, if you guys want to recommend more D and D settings specifically, uh, hit me up on the Discord. But any anything you guys recommend. I have a going list. I, I've just been kind of cranking through it uh, as I go. Every time somebody says, hey, can you do one episode on magic? I will do seven episodes on magic. Likewise for <laughs> Warhammer 40K. So you got to you gotta throw throw some other ones at me if you want me to talk about them. I've been your host, Ethan Palmer. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, you can go to loreboys.com slash about to find all our contact info, link to the Discord, our email, our Twitter, which we do not use anymore. Uh, our Instagram link is there. Uh, if you open it on your on the browser on your phone, it should open the uh, Instagram app, but I, I, as somebody who doesn't own Instagram, I can't guarantee that. Uh, it does. Uh, I mean, it's a phone setting, but it should, yeah. Uh, Twitch.tv slash the lore boys. Uh, Jamie does most of the streaming, uh, so I guess we're just going to be seeing the spirit of Jamie in the future now that he's autoerotic asphyxiated himself to death. But yeah. uh, uh, you can find him there Tuesdays, Thursdays, oftentimes Fridays. Uh, it's a lot of World of Warcraft streams, but they're uh, often really, really fun because it's usually just uh, a couple of us hanging out and, and memeing while he does really menial things in World of Warcraft. Uh, so head over there to check him out. Peter, is there anything that you want to uh, plug, suggest, remind people of? Uh, yeah, uh, at Lord Boys Podcast on Instagram. If you're just going to punch it into the app, please do so. Uh, please check out my publisher, Squared Idea, uh, squared-idea.com. Um, I've got some stuff coming out soon, TM. I, I don't know. I'm not really in control anymore of that whole thing. It's done. Yeah. Um, and I'm working on some other projects as well as like other stuff in the future, which the, is really cool. So the, if you guys want any... The wagon's on a hill and the horses have broken the tether. It's it's out yes, of control. They, it, it, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, I'm, I'm a professional now, baby. Time to... Take my hands off. <laughs> Everything's out of my control. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then, um, again, if you want to suggest anything, I've been keeping a list of uh, recommendations as well. I've mentioned it in the past that 2021 is my year of uh, requests, and um, I've done almost nothing but up until this point and intend to continue. So I'll add it to the pile and uh, and get to it over time. Um, if you want to support the show financially, you can, of course, go to patreon.com slash boys. Um, that's where you can go, you know, pay us for things if you'd wish. Um, if you want to pay our bills, that's where you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also sometimes catch up on rejected episode titles, which is a fun little thing that Ethan's been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can check out our merch, like I said, at tpublic.com slash the lore boys or in the discord, just recommend something you want to see on like a shirt or a sticker or a mask, whatever. Uh, but Ethan, um, 
thank God, uh, as our founder and CEO, has has been really good on Loreboys Prime um, the whole time. For the more ANCAP um, listener, uh, where there's no middleman whatsoever, goes directly yeah. to the rest. So, Ethan, Ethan, why don't you get into the uh, the, the Loreboys Prime this, this week? Yeah, I mean, we know that some of you don't trust don't trust Big Patreon. You guys don't want to go through them, so we we offer a straight straight to vendor a point of purchase. Uh, essentially, support the show sale. Shout out to our patrons. You know, no fault of yours, but the the Lord Boys Primers, right hand to my left cheek. You're the real heroes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this week, I, I mean, I was I was researching this this setting. Uh, I thought it was so so cool. Right up until I got to the point about all the genocide. But uh, I, you know, I was getting so into it, so involved. I bought a ton of sunflowers to give myself, um, you know, psionic abilities that connect myself, my brain to the sun. Uh, and I bought a whole bunch of sand. And then I kind of got to the end of the story. I was like, ah, this makes me a little uncomfortable. The sand was starting to irk me. Um, uh, you know, it's just it's it's coarse and it's rough and it just gets everywhere. Uh, so um, I hate it. So I want to give it back to you guys. So uh, anybody who signs up for Lore Boys Prime this week will get a bag of sand with anywhere between uh, the, uh, the stem of a sunflower to the petal of a sunflower or maybe the seed of a sunflower. Maybe an entire sunflower, depending on how many people sign up this week. Uh, yeah. uh, while supplies last, I guess you could say the sunflowers uh, will, will go. But I don't think I'll run out of sand anytime soon. Uh, it's everywhere. It's just everywhere. So uh, sign up for, for Lore Boys Prime. For the price of $53.72 uh, a week, uh, you can pay it in biweekly installments if you'd prefer, uh, though it does have interest if you do that way. So it's 0% APR if you do it just the full week, biweekly. Anyway, uh, no need to get, get into it. You can read the fine print. But uh, yeah, I'll be sending you some sand. I believe Pete uh, in Solidarity might send you some kitty, some kitty litter, fresh kitty litter. Don't. Don't be gross, but yeah, yeah uh, unused, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, we had talked about it earlier. I don't know if it's going to be successfully implemented. That you can just like it's kind of like a send your own bag thing. So it's more of a sand request, yeah, um, with your payment. So put your money in the bag, send that to us. We'll return the bag with sand in it. Yeah, no. And I'll, mesh- to- I'll top it off with cat litter. No mesh bags. I'm not falling for that one again. Okay, very no. very funny. Sand all over my floor. <laughs> yeah, sand all over my <laughs> beach floor. Uh, <laughs> um, you son of a beach. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, if you like the show, leave us a review. It means the world to us. And I guess that constitutes a lore boys. A lore boys. Out. Out. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 